Welcome in, everyone. It's episode 66 of the 1056 podcast, the James Bond movie Spectre episode, because Jeff and I were just talking about it. No oh, here reason. we go, Ty. I wanted oh, to get prepared for the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. I'm a, I like to make James Bond films. I wouldn't say I'm like a super fan. We have a friend, Nick. Shout out to Nick, fake Phil Markowski. He's a big Bond fan. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like a he's like really into it. I I I've seen my fair share. I can't say I see them all, um, but I do enjoy mostly the most of the Daniel Craig movies. I just was telling Ty, Casino mm-hmm. Royale is easily one of the best Bond movies I think has ever been made. One of them, not the best. So don't kill me yet. Uh, Quantum of Solace is awful. Skyfall was really good. I, I liked it a lot. Uh, one of Adele's best songs was the lead track to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. I hadn't seen Spectre yet. And I was like, all right, let me see that. And then I'll see the new one. I'm, we are halfway through it. Um, boring? So far. The, ac- the action sequence is like, where are they? There was one in the beginning that we had us a little bit on the edge of our seat with the helicopter. They were going to like maybe crash into people. It was like, whoa, oh my God. And then after that, it's like, <sighs> so we're halfway through. He just met, I guess, would be considered the bond girl spoiler she she hates him oh spoiler and they're gonna figure that out he's, like he's this is like if we were gonna give it a score like our if we were gonna review it yeah halfway through the movie we're at a 2.5 which is like dead average no 2.25 for being Oof. like where's the action but you know yeah. what on the next episode i'll tell you about the rest of the movie and maybe i would have seen the new one and then i'll tell yeah. you about that you know what? That's I was just—it's just on my mind, man. I was like, of all things to not be interesting, mm-hmm. is your James Bond action sequences? Like, what are we doing? The irony is what is what I it's say. Killing me. The oh. irony is murdering me. Dave wow. Batiste is in this movie. Uh, Spectre. Yes. What doesn't he? What doesn't he do? By the way, this he is has metal thumbnails, like his thumbnails, not like. Okay. Okay. Not like a, he's not super geeky and can, has a YouTube channel that he would love for you to like, comment, subscribe. Nerd alert. He has like metal nails on his thumbs. And that's his shtick. Like a lot of, he's not the main villain. There's another guy for that who I, I don't care about yet. Apparently he's creepy because he's in the shadows a lot of the time. Played by Christopher Waltz for those mm-hmm. out there. But Dave, every every Bond villain has some kind of like physical deformity, and this is like his. He's got these metal thumb tip nail tips, and he uses them. And he's been chasing Bond this so far, and been bad at it. And he hasn't said a word. So hey. Dave, what is happening? Get pick up your. I can't believe I'm actually rooting for him to just like pick his game up, just so we can. It's like when you watch a game where you you're not a fan of two teams, right? You don't, you just like the sport. You're like, and you're like, I don't hate these teams. I don't love these teams. I'm just here to watch. And the game starts to get get out of hand. And one team starts to blow out the other. And you just root for the other team, not because you like them, just to make the thing interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's how I am about Dave Batista right now in this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. I want him to do better. Damn. You know what? I want that for him. (laughs) I have nothing to add here. I haven't seen a lot of James Bond movies, admittedly. So you know what? That's okay. That's all you. This but... would be my one-man rant, and I would love for everyone to give me their thoughts. I know Nick will. So Nick, Nick you better listen to this. 
but I, I just am kind of like, I thought I heard good things about it. So I'm, I was a little put off. I usually have a general idea of like, do, are people loving it? Do they hate it? Do, is it like a really a controversially mixed fan base, you know, about it? I right. usually have heard that already without spoilers. And I heard good things about this. And I'm just, maybe, maybe it's the second half. Maybe they got me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. And then they got there. I like Stay it. tuned, folks. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So to kind of dovetail off that, I guess. So uh, if you're waiting for the beer review or you see that this is a shorter episode, before we get into whatever else we're going to talk about. So executive producer slash guest slash podcast friend slash friend slash um, human Lee uh, gave this great suggestion about instead of us ranting for like a half hour and then going into an interview or a review, let's split the two into two separate episodes, baby. Because content never sleeps. So it sounds like what we'll probably do is this will just be for us to talk about where what, what, what we've been up to. So right. we're going to be talking about some events that uh, we have been to. Uh, maybe some recent beer community news. Yes, which we'll there do are. Some, we'll do some our house cleaning here. We'll just talk about what's like we're doing right now. Yeah. What's the future of the podcast. And we will... Um, get yourself hyped for the episode that will be coming out the following week, which will be yes. our big beer review or our big interview or whatever the inter- the actual episode about. So right. you don't feel like you're like, Oh, just get to it get already. To the, get to the point. But you we want to have fun. Wanna we, we want to talk to you guys. We want to have some fun. So that's where we're at. Yeah. Which right. I think, it's, I think it's a red. Did you get all that? Um, Sim? What? Oh, like I said, they said, are you a sim? But I was like, okay, let's not. We are. We already know. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's a really good idea and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So this is 1056 number 66 part one. It's, it's how we list out the episode name, which follows an Instagram at 1056podcast. So it's 1056.66.1. Yes, I'm doing that. I'm fucking doing it, dude, because I don't give a shit. So that's how it's going to come like out. It's like a freaking IP address. <laughs> it, honestly, it's just going to, yeah, we're just going to get to one point where it's going to be a physical IP address. And it's like, <laughs> and then you can type it in are. and then just type it in and like hack that. And then whoever that belongs to, sorry. It's like it's like geocaching for like the crypto world. We're gonna go to that IP address location and like plant a beer, and you have to take it out of the ground. Speaking of which, tell the people at home about your cryptocurrency. And dude. that's the end of the episode, Fuck, dude. Shiba Inu. Actually, I'm not a financial advisor. Whoops, that's all I got. Shiba Inu is a real coin. No, I'm I'm gonna dip my toes into it. Can't tell you what, because you know, I don't want you to start buying it. I don't, I don't fucking know. No one, no one knows what really is going on for crypto, cryptocurrency. If you're between the age of 25 and like 40 and you're like, all right, dude, here's what's going to happen with Bitcoin. They're wrong. And if they don't know, they're right. I saw an article. There was a hamster that was making predictions for cryptocurrencies and was doing better than a human god damn right so there you go it just goes to show you volatility can either make you rich or make you broke and that's what we're doing baby i just knowing when to jump off the boat 
Exactly. For me, never. These hands are going to be diamonds, man. I fucking do it, man. Anyway, That's so crazy because maybe you could put some of this the money you went you win <laughs> the, the money you win on cryptocurrency games. Yeah. Um into the podcast cuz this shit gets expensive, right? Oh. I no, no. No. So anyways, no. Ty, so so Ty, well, you went I I regret you we had our last guest was good old Ken Yes. I, can't, I never pronounce his name right. Last Tuccio. name. Right. Tuccio. Uh, owner and big brain boss boy of Best Trivia Ever put on an epic event, uh, BTE Slam at Tribus. I regretfully got sick and couldn't go. So not COVID. I tested negative. For those, for those people at home, I'm COVID negative. However, I got sick and couldn't go. So Ty, tell us about BTE Slam. Yeah, um, talk about simps. Sounds like your immune system was, you know, your simp because it failed you. Um, I'm now stronger, so. Good point. It was awesome. I went into this. I've never been to a wrestling event. I ne- I don't know anything about wrestling. I really don't. Um, so I met up with, I went there just solo. I saw Johnny Benson there from Beer Man Beer, who I actually did get like four or five minutes from him on like an audio clip. So I might throw that in right here because I think it was really funny to catch up with him. That's fine. I got you down low. We are live. Okay, here we are. All right. One of the people I've wanted to talk to for many, many moons. It is Johnny Benson. Woo! The People's Champ. Connecticut (laughs) Magazine's best podcast in Connecticut. I'm going to start there, Johnny. Yo. Um, you beat out NPR. You beat out us. You beat out a lot Yo, of we, people. We beat out NPR, and we beat out somebody whose first name is Doctor. Okay, doctor. so there's True. a podcast whose first name is Doctor who came in third place. Right. And uh, big shout-out to, to uh, whoever came in second place. I forgot her name because <laughs> I've been drinking. But, you know, you know we're, we're humble people, but we do feel – the hard work paid off, and yeah. we got that acknowledgement in the Connecticut. Because Connecticut Magazine doesn't seem like the type of place where, you know, your average beer drinker is going to get some love. <laughs> but, hey, man, we didn't just do it for us. We did it for the craft beer community, yeah. for you guys, 1056. Yeah. We did it for everybody. Tribus. We got pro wrestling going on at Tribus right now. This is fucking nuts. And you were Yo. you you nudged me and you're like the franchise is here. This is a huge deal. How Dude, big of a the, deal is it? The franchise Shane Douglas was the surprise guest. He really here. was. And um, dude, I don't I don't know what to tell you other than this is amazing. My hometown right now. The the, the two things I love the most: beer and wrestling, and they're both right in my hometown. Yeah. This is an epic epic evening right now and i wish uh some of the people who i thought would be here who are not you're missing out i know it's honestly i was dying to come here we talked to ken about it and we were like i want to see this actually take shape and happen and whatnot and it's a beautiful thing and like you we met ziggy dice we met virgil you know, you met Lex Luger. We, you, yeah, we, you met Dan Housen. I did, yeah, Dan Housen. Yeah, Tyler got a picture with Dan Housen. and he, everyone, there's people wearing Dan Housen shirts. Like, yeah. he is one of those people, and you said that too. He is one of these up-and-comers that I am very excited. I follow wrestling, you know, with a 10-foot pole, 
But, like, that is one of those things. I feel like he's going to be one of those people that comes up. I would say in two years you're going to remember, hey, remember the time we saw Dan Housen in Milford, Connecticut? I hope so. And you're going to remember that. Man. I want that. I want that so bad. But, so, yeah. I mean, it it's honestly awesome. And I know we still have a full episode to do, you, me, Jeff, and Keg, and all of that. And yeah. uh, it's it's really exciting. So, so finally, It's weird because, like, unfortunately, uh, um, your, your your little guy's not here, and my big guy's not here. I know. So yeah, I we're, we're kind of like uh, like like teaming up here. This is like yeah, a, we're it's the two shell in Connecticut. It's the uh, beer man fifty six podcast. That's awesome. You know? awesome. Yeah, that, that's the way to do it. So I'm watching your drink, Brandon. It's okay. honestly really awesome. So yeah, um, I'll say this, and we'll kind of tease it for our episode. What is what's to look forward to with beer man beer? What do you guys have in store? I mean, I mean, we, we did this because we love beer and we love hanging out. We love concerts and comedy. Absolutely. So, um, who who knew we'd be Connecticut com- uh, Connecticut Magazine's uh, number one thought? podcast? <laughs> you know, um, but it's it's all love. It's all fun, and all we want to do is get people together to drink beer and have a good time. You know, uh, you know, and I, it's awesome. I think we found friends in you and Keg and. It's 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 a ton of fun. So I'm really happy to be here, and I'm happy we finally got on mic, yeah. and I'm excited for our episode together. Uh, that's awesome. So I know, and you have uh, get, uh, Tom M was here. Tom yeah. M's here, right off camera, and uh, Ken. We talked to Ken a little bit. Yo, so. Yeah, uh, Phil. Phil was here. Phil. Phil Pappas from the Guild. So many beer Connecticut people are here. It's crazy. It's it's a great time. It's, so it's a mix of Connecticut beer people and famous semi-famous pro wrestlers. It's fantastic, <laughs> man. Who would have thought? I, I love know. it. So. We're going to take a break. I'm going to come back. I don't know who's coming on next. We love you, brother. Thank you. Beer Man Beer, 1056. Let's get it. Okay, we're back. Um, great guy. And uh, saw Tom M, met everyone beforehand, and they had, like, a pretty decently sized ring in the main area of Tribus. And it was, like, pretty crowded. <coughs> Excuse me. So got to meet some of the wrestlers beforehand. Uh, I met Virgil, who's one of the wrestlers. I met Dan Housen. Zicky Dice, who Ken's talked about. And the one person to come out of all this who I think is going to be the most popular is Dan Housen. Because that guy, people were wearing his shirts to the event, which is usually a good sign. And Did he also, have the house booming? Dude, he had the house. He brought the house down, man. Let me tell you. It was sick. The thing of the night, and I actually saw Ken at the Connecticut Brewers Guild Beer Festival again. And I was telling him, I was like, there was a tag team match of two people like... Two random wrestling fans that like have been training and obviously signed up previously and whatnot against two other wrestlers. I don't remember their names. And they were crazy. Their entrances are really good. They came out to Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Great song. Got everyone hyped. Jumped up on the bar. Went crazy. Tag team wrestling match. It was a shorter dude and a taller dude. And the shorter dude was like parallel to the ground above the top rope that's how high off the ground he was he was flying through the air it was sick great match great energy salt of the earth people just drinking beer and watching wrestling it was awesome that's it sounds fun i regret miss i regret missing that because so I, cool. uh, I, I i was really looking forward to that <laughs> so that sounds like a really good time Ty. that sounds like a really good time it, yeah, it, it really was. So uh, it's the out of the thing that I like the most. It's out of the box thinking that no one's really done before. It's a kind of a high risk, high reward sort of thing. It could have easily fallen flat, or people didn't want to go. But I mean, like it was it looked like the place was packed from the social media so, stuff I was seeing. So 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 awesome. 
Um, if you guys go back to our episode in our interview with Ken, he, he did say that he would love to do this again. So keep an eye out. Follow BTE, Best Trivia Ever, on their social media. Uh, go to their events at your local restaurant slash bar. And yes. keep an ear out for if they're doing this event again because it will be there. Yes. And it will be worth going to. And Tribus fucking rips. Tribus just knows how to fucking rip the hinges off the beer industry in Connecticut. An event that I was able to go to recently, mm. though, Ty, is that we went to the finally, finally, the, C- the CT Brewers Guild Beer Fest up yes. in Wallingford at yes. the Xfinity. No, Oak. Oh, Oakdale. Oakdale. Well, Thank it's you. also sponsored by Xfinity. All right. So I'm not wrong. I think the Oakdale theater, um, pretty cool event. Uh, I seemed like most, if not all the most breweries were there. I think it was uh, like- yeah. We saw, let's see. We, we saw the guys at Armada. We saw Alvarium there. We saw, mm-hmm. um, t- 12%. So the breweries that distributed out of 12%. Yep. So abomination and sky gazer. We saw tox, um, yes. two roads was there. Of course we Nebco. saw Nebco. High nine, which yep. we have an interview with high nine. Um, so so uh, it was a big turn. And a drunk alpaca was drunk represented alpaca, there yeah, and a bunch of food trucks and rock and roll music that never seemed to stop, at least when we were in the room. Yeah, so, so they were blasting. This live band was blasting rock and roll hits. And I was about it if I wasn't really trying good. to talk to everybody there. So um you know, and then they would, we would leave to go. They had different rooms. We would leave to go check out the other rooms. Oh, like Charter Oak and No Worries, who yes. were there, and Witch Doctor. Um, and we would come back into the main room and, I'm like, sorry, oh, Witch they, Doctor? and we'd come back into the main room. We would be like, oh, thanks. That was our quick break. We're going to go right back into it. Just as we walked <laughs> in. Like, happened, oh, like, fuck. <laughs> happened twice. They're like, oh, great. Um, yeah. So interviewed a, a couple people. That we're actually going to include in this intro. Another reason why we're splitting this up into. So the first one we're going to get with Phil Pappas, who is the head of the CT Brewers Guild, who helped organize the vast majority of this entire event. Former guest of the show. Former guest of the show. This the first time I interviewed him was supposed to be like weeks before the event, and then we came full circle and interviewed him like a year and a half later during the event itself. So we're going to put that in right about here. Okay, so we're back. We're here at the CT Brewers Guild Beer Fest. We are here with Phil, head honcho of this whole shindig. We are now interviewing him next to five trash cans. Phil? Six. Six. I will learn to count. Phil, this has been a pretty cool This is a pretty cool event. We got a lot of attendees today. How do you think it's going today? I think it's going great. Everybody's having such a great time. Our band is jamming, the beer is flowing, and we got the food truck slinging some stuff. We got some pizza from that Little Italy's truck, and that was amazing. So good. Uh, I would say, what was the thing you were most excited about? The fact that this is like a year and a half in the making. I know it's probably been a lot of stress, a lot of regulations, a lot of everything. How, like, are you excited it's happening? Is it stress? Is it a stress relief? Like, what are you, what's going through your head right now? We are so ecstatic to be back. Beer festivals are back. The breweries are back. We've had such a great summer welcoming everybody back at full capacity. And now we're getting everybody together at a beer festival again. And the bi- the biggest thing that I love about beer festivals is getting everyone in the same room, trying different styles, learning what they like, 
learning more about breweries. We've been on such a big growth and opening uh, process in the last year and a half that we have 123 breweries now. And you get to check out breweries that maybe you haven't gotten to. Maybe they're a little bit too far of a drive and they're all in one room now. And you really get the energy back that we've been missing from the, yeah. from the experience of tap rooms and all that. Is there one beer that you've been dying to try and you were like, oh man, I can't get to it. Tom M is again creeping in the background. Just always around. Anyway, was there one beer that you were like, I gotta get my hands on that? Yeah, what, the one beer that we did was our collaboration beer with Alvarium. It's our Guild Lager. It was the first beer that everybody got in their commemorative tasting glass when they walked in. That is, we made wanted to make it an approachable lager and we crushed it. Oh yeah, that was excellent. I like that a lot. Really good, yeah. Uh, so, when you were putting this together, what kind of obstacles did you have to overcome to kind of make this happen? So people at home kind of understand what kind of process this was. Yeah, again, 19 months ago, nobody knew this was COVID was going to hit. We had our event scheduled for March 27th, 10 days after the shutdown. We were very excited for that. I was too. We had 2,000 tickets sold, we were ready to go, and we got shut down. So we rescheduled this about four or five times. So the biggest obstacle was getting 2,500 people in the same room together. And so we, with the Live Nation, worked very hand in hand together. And we instituted our vaccination, which is Live Nation venue. So we made sure everybody was either vaccinated or they had a negative COVID test. And those are the things that we had to do to, in order to hold this event. And we were happy to go along with it because we wanted to hold this event again and not reschedule it for the, I don't know, 600th time. So. We had to make sure that the breweries were staffed. We had to make sure that they were safe. We had to make sure that we can hold this thing in the right manner. And we did. Are you, yeah, more musicians coming in. I love this so much. Um, are you excited for the year to come now that the world is quote unquote getting back to normal? Are you looking forward to more festivals? Is the Guild gonna be doing more festivals? What's in the future? Yeah, absolutely. We actually have our next festival happening in two weeks on October 23rd at Bear Smokehouse Barbecue in New Haven. It's our Change in the Air Festival. So it's all the fundraising is going towards our Connecticut Brewers Guild African American Brewing Science Scholarship at Sacred Heart University to put one student through the program for free. And it's something that we're very excited to have to get Dame Drops, big food titan in Connecticut right now. He has his own Netflix show. He's our MC for the day and bringing the energy. We got 22 breweries from the region and we're bringing in visual artists, black and brown community, chefs, uh, operators, visual artists, and we're just gonna have a dope time. It's gonna be great. I absolutely love it. Uh, so yeah, this is, we are, we are surprised to a level how well this is going because of everyone's hesitations tend to be nowadays. But people are here, people are having a great time. Phil, thank you again for joining us. This has been a blast. 1056, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we're not 1056 10, steps away from one another. Amen, amen. Well, thank you again, Phil. All right, thank you. Okay, awesome. Phil's the great, he's the man. Um, you can hear in the background the band, so now you get the idea. It wasn't that loud, it wasn't that loud on the microphone. But it's, you can kind of hear that like we're sort of like yelling or talking loud and we kind of sound crazy, but the band was loud. So you're going to hear it in the background too. Uh, next we have David Wolner, who is the manager of Willimantic Brewing Company. One of the first in the state. So let's drop that right here.
So we are here. Uh, I stopped here because this is, I say one up, I think it is the oldest brewery in the state. We could just say that here while I'm w with the company. They've been around since 1997. You are. Tell everyone who you are and what you do at Willie Brewery. So David Walner, uh, owner, brewer of the Willimantic Brewing Company. We did open in February 1997. We're not the oldest brewery uh, continuously operating. Cottrell was before us and then Bar in New Haven, uh, but only by about six months or so. And uh, yeah, we've been uh, in this beautiful historic post office, brewing beer, serving great food since 1997. That's honestly wild because the one question I always have is obviously. Right here, man. That, Willimantic. That's right. That's right. Here, <laughs> I love it. Born and raised in Willimantic. This is the first right here. Willimantic Brewery. There you go. Number one. Raised off the Number beer. One. Yes. <laughs> So when it's 1997, it's like the late 90s. Obviously, the we were local like the eighth or ninth brewery in the state. Exactly. So yeah, John Harbor, you had New England Brewing, New Haven Brewing, um, but they've come and gone too. Even New England Brewing started before right. us, um, but then they had a transition. And but yeah, we've been around. We've so seen it all. when you yeah, I, I was gonna say. So you really have seen now. You've been through all the trends of the more traditional lager style. It's kind of what Sam Adams kind of pushed into the household name that is like craft beer and now you're seeing it with fruited sours adjuncted stouts all kind of ingredients that are in a dessert aisle in a beer so how has willie brood adapted over the 25 years that you've been around is it just doing things that you've done since day one do you try to adapt what is your approach well i think you know in any business you're always you know paying attention to what people are doing around you well, um, we initially opened as a little coffee ice cream deli back in 1991, and we served you know gourmet coffees before Seattle came to the East Coast. Really, yeah. And then the concept, even with brewing, was let's just try to brew beers that anybody would like to drink. And I, you know, as a home brewer, I started out in 1980 home brewing, and I wanted to learn you know what this hop variety did for a specific style or what this malt did. So I did a lot of single hop, single mash beers in the beginning just to learn my craft. Right. And so now we're at this point where, you know, pastry beers and sours. I love sours. I went to uh, Belgium and went to Rodenbach and oh, Cantillon yeah. and had Hansen's. Those were sours that you could almost not even palate. Those are the original sours. The original. So come back here. And the best thing about it was, let's. how do you duplicate or replicate something that you pay homage to? Right. So I made a lot of beers that were mediocre. Made some that was like, okay, that we can't even serve. That's going down the drain. I had a beer that turned sour that became vinegar. That's now we actually have as a malt vinegar on at the brewery. Really? But it's knowing that, you know, you have to learn something. There's a lot that happens because beer is beer. Right. It's a fermentation product. No, it doesn't matter how much you know about what you're doing. Sometimes stuff happens. Yeah, absolutely. And if you got to dump it, you got to dump it because it's all about you know serving something that you're proud of. Absolutely. And is it easier to brew beer now with everything that's available, the hop varieties and everything, or was it easier back then when it was very much maybe one style of beer that was popular or four or five pillars of beer that were popular and everyone kind of made that was it easier than when you're first starting out or is it i should say quote unquote easier nowadays with everything that's available well back then there was no internet 
So, you know, you would buy books on brewing. I attended multiple brewing conferences from the Association of Brewers, which became the Brewers Association, yep. and learned from my peers. Jeremy Cohen, who started Schmaltz, started in 1996, he's finally shutting down his brewery. He was a contract brewer, and he said there's no reason to ever have a brewery of your own when there's excess capacity at other breweries. What did he do? He built a brewery in upstate New York, and he became a contract brewer for Single Cut and a bunch of other breweries. And now he's like, you know, I probably should have stuck with my original business model. Yeah. Smart man, knew what was working, but said, you know, I want to bring it all in-house and realize that, you know, other people are doing creative things. These New England IPAs, that was never a style. If, if you served an IPA that was not just hazy, but like murky and, yeah. and you know, thick, you, what are you giving me? You know, so it was much tougher back then. We didn't have a wealth of information. We were looking, we're reading books like from De Klerk from the 1950s on what brewing science is. Like if you add this water to this, you know, piece of grain, yeah. it's going to produce this amount of sugar. Um, it's much easier now for sure. I, I believe, yeah, it sounds like it. Even with Mr. Beer Kits, like starting out, I feel like the the kind of floor is a lot lower to get into beer. Which is great. Yes. Because honestly, every town now pretty much has a brewery. Yeah. When I was around, you know, you had to drive like 30, 40, 50 miles potentially to find a, a fresh brewed beer. Yeah. And it's, it's wonderful. I love it. This is the best beer fest for that. These are all Connecticut breweries being represented here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one last question. I'll let you go. So when you're first starting out, obviously you're doing something that's very unique in that time of the late 90s of opening up a place that served their own beer. Was there a party that was like, are we, we're venturing out into really uncharted territory here. Like, what are we doing? Or were you dead set? It's like, this is going to be the future of restaurants. Everyone's going to be making their own beer. Well, back then, it was you had to convince somebody that if it was made local, it was potentially better. Because there's no doubt, Budweiser makes beer all over the world, right. and anywhere you go, it's going to taste like Budweiser. Yep. That's phenomenal. That's the most difficult thing to brew is brew a light-style beer and have it taste consistent everywhere you go. So for us as you know, a brewery, we're trying to have somebody try our certified gold and say, it's not Budweiser, but it tastes really good. Yeah. And then we've been told you know, countless times, it's like, I've never tasted beer that tastes like this. It, to me, beer always tastes like cardboard or this or that. Yeah. It's like, well, this is fresh. Yeah. It's literally got living yeast in it. It's good for you. And, and so I tell myself. Well, you got to kind of grow the, the concept. Right, yeah. You know? So now it's grown to the point that we want to put everything we can possibly think of in beer. You know, gummy bears and Sour Patch Kids and this and that. And it's fun. Yeah. And, I, and I, honestly, I appreciate it. I'll drink like a couple ounces. But it's not the beer I want to sit and drink. Right. When I think about beer, you know, I want to drink something that's from start to finish. I want to drink it. When I'm done with that, I'm like, I want another one. That's how I know I made a good beer when I don't want to switch to something else. I just want to keep drinking that style. I learned that from Garrett Oliver from Brooklyn Brewery. Oh, yeah. He gave a talk about that. He's, he called it the six-pint rule. I don't last six pints anymore. <laughs> I don't either. Oh, that's great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. I your time. Absolutely. Thank you. Really nice guy. And then the last one I'll throw in here, um, Spencer from High Nine. They had an amazing Flanders Red, a little sour. He let me try it um, off off air, so sorry about that. Here's that one right here. All right, we're here with High Nine. 
It was Spencer. Spencer, yep. That's awesome. Uh, are you one of the brewers? You said you brew for them, right? Uh, brewer and owner, yep. Oh, shit. Well, I'm very sorry. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, how has the past, like, 12 months been? I know you guys are just coming up on two years, right? So, new brewery, obviously a lot of craziness just in the climate of the beer hype and then everything with the pandemic. How has it been just owning a brewery in 2021? Uh, it was a little tough. We were shut down for probably two-thirds of 2021 um, we did start canning right in the spring of 2021 so that was good timing for for to-go sales yeah. uh, we were open for to-go only for a while but yeah I mean the community supported us and everyone helped us survive so we're, we're back tap rooms open and everyone's enjoying it again what's the coolest thing about owning a brewery uh, I feel like no one asked you that yeah no one asks that <laughs> I would say the coolest thing is as a brewer slash owner, you can just make whatever you want. You know, there's certain things you have to make to have on tap. But after that, you can just make your own decisions and and make sure the beer is served the way you want it. Make sure you're making the things you're passionate about. And yeah, make your own hours too. <laughs> to an, yeah, to a point. <laughs> that's very true. Is there as someone who obviously you you're the owner, brewer, everything to do with high nine. I think I said that. High Nine Brewing. That's who I'm. That's Spencer with High Nine. I don't know if I blew right by that. I'm sorry. Obviously, I'm very professional. Right. Um, I should say my wife is also the co-owner, and she manages the whole tap room and does everything that isn't brewing. So she works her ass off too. Hey, there you go. Yeah, it's. It, I believe it's very much a team effort. As I'm blowing out my speaker here, um, is there a dream beer that you would love to make? Like, regardless if it would sell or not, is there something that you're like, I want to make an ice box, or I want to make a Baltic Porter. Is there ever a style of beer that you have that you wish you could make, but you know just wouldn't sell? Um, so we kind of we kind of just started doing that. We started making a lot of I'm more most passionate about mixed culture barrel aged sour beers. Nice. Certain people appreciate them and know what they are, and we're trying to educate them about it. But they definitely just kind of trickle along in the sales compared to even just the regular fruited kettle sours we have on tap. But uh, yeah, people are starting to appreciate them. We're pouring them here today at the Brewfest, and uh, yeah, that's what I'm passionate about, and I just hope people get back into them a little bit more. It had a bit of, bit of a peak, that kind of stuff, I'd say a few years ago. Yep. That, that kind of style's been a bit overtaken by uh, just like fruited kettle sours and back sweetened sours and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you mentioned Icebox. I was thinking about making one of those this year. I'm sure people will love that because it'll just be stupid, strong, and people love strong beers. Yeah, it's like 15% or yeah. something crazy because it's so, like, concentrated, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, there's an obscure style, uh, Adam beer from Germany, before Germany uh, enacted, like, the Reinskeboot laws. That is a, uh, it's like a slightly smoked, uh, almost like a Belgian quad style beer, or like a Doppelbach that's uh, barrel-aged and soured. And it's like a super strong beer, usually around like 12, 13 uh, percent, called an Adam beer. And uh, I would love to make one of those, but I might have to call it something else because people are probably will be like, "What the hell is an Adam beer?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sour Adam beer. They're like, "What the heck?" <laughs> it's a really cool style. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like there's so many styles. I, we've been doing this for like two and a half years, and there's a million styles of beer out there that never heard of before like even like lambics or something like that i just never knew until the past like year and a half two years or so so it's it's really wild i think on that note do you think the average beer drinker has gotten smarter or do you think like they gravitate towards like sours and whatnot has it gotten more rudimentary as 
more options that become available that appeases everyone, or do you think people are getting smarter? I think uh, the, the beer drinkers of a couple years ago are getting smarter and are kind of going through the full, the full loop of trying everything weird and crazy and then just coming back to like, ah, I just, you know, I just wanted a West Coast IPA or a Pilsner. But with that said, there's a lot of people that are getting into craft beer because of the definitely sweeter things that are coming out, the more fruited things that are coming out. And they're like, you know, they're like, oh, even even New England IPAs at the brewery, people a lot of times be like, I want something citrusy or fruity. And I'm like, well, I, and they say they don't like IPAs, but then you give them a New England IPA and they're like, wow, I thought it was going to be like super bitter and you know, and, and all of a sudden they're like, I can't believe I like IPA. Like, that happens a lot, you know? That means you're a good brewer. That means you're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, there's these, like, gateway beers that people are drinking these days, and it's good. It's definitely good for craft beer because it's getting a lot of people into it. But uh, I think people's palates kind of get saturated with sweet, sweetness and fruit sometimes, and then they generally start trending more towards, like, I'd rather just bang down a few Pilsners. A couple, a, <laughs> a couple crispy boys. It's like that's how they call them. Exactly. Uh, last question: uh, Untapped is he your best friend or your worst enemy? Yeah, it's like uh, lo- definitely a love-hate relationship for <laughs> most brewers, for sure. The frustrating thing is, you know, you know how to hack Untapped and make the you could make the styles that you know score well on Untapped, but that's just not fun. I guess that's kind of a money grab if your brewery is only making those kind of styles because you know the best pilsner on untap is probably like what 3.7 or 8 or something like that whereas less than a four yeah yeah, so whereas you can make a a new england ipa or some stupid stout i mean not that i i I love flavored stouts like cocoa nibs and coconut whatever you want to throw in it but those will score over four no problem no matter what and uh Uh, whereas if you wanted to make you know a true to style Kolsch or Oktoberfest or you know whatever these more hard harder to brew styles even if they're they're made spot on you're not getting those scores that uh, they should be getting if it was put it in front of a beer judge so I think that's the problem with untapped is it makes everyone a quote-unquote expert when everyone's not they just they just rate it based on what they like so I've, I, <laughs> I haven't asked a brewer that yet since I've been here, and I feel like I go. I want to ask that as like a litmus test. It's like, how does everyone feel about it? And I think it's everyone's in the same. I take it with a grain of salt. Try it for yourself, and it's like, okay, I, I like it or I don't. Right. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's kind of the problem with Untapped. I think is uh, a lot of people take it as like the be all end all of what the beer is, how what the beer's rated at. Whereas, it's that's not really that type of app. I get it does have a place, but. I think most brewers will give you about the same answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm so curious about it. Some people are, like, very not into it. I mean, like, you know, most people, it's like when the consumer is controlling the favorability of your product, right? There's always something that's, you, you know, you're not a huge fan of, but I'm always curious. Yeah, I mean, there's other ways, like, you can hack untapped as a brewery. You cannot give, allow people to have tasting flights because... If someone tastes, you know, your coffee stout next to a sour beer, they're gonna be like, ah, what the hell? That tastes whack. You know. I'll cut that part so no one hears it. I'll cut that part so no one hears that. So it's only you guys gonna keep that hack. Oh no, we have tasting flights, so like that's the problem. It's like that's what people want, so we give it to them. But uh, you know, you people adopt that model where they they only will give you, you know, say two eight ounce pours at a time, so that you you purposely aren't 
having that uh, conflict of uh, on your palate, so to where you're going to be rating their beers higher if they're if they're putting the right beers next to each other. But if you're running the gamut of a tap list and you're tasting the wrong beers next to each other, your palate's going to be just muddled and totally messed up. So you might not like something because you just had something super flavorful before a pilsner or sour or something. It it just doesn't taste right. That's you know, there's a it's a complex thing, the sensory science of, of tasting beer. So yeah. yeah. That's it. That's all the questions I had. I'll let you get back to it. Spencer, thank you very much. I really really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. <laughs> so tell cool. us about that that Flanders Red then. Uh, it was awesome. I actually took a photo of it. That was actually one of the beers that stood out to me, to be completely honest. It was called uh, Sour Red, a Flanders-style ale with black currants and cherries. Um, really good stuff. And he was a really fun guy. And obviously, in the interview, we talk about Untapped, and um, we were talking about it a little bit more, and Untapped's really weird. So uh, he was like a really chill dude, and you can really tell that in the interview. So really good interviews really fun event i kind of wish we i wanted to stay longer um but i was fucking exhausted it is really tiring being this like you know we're obviously not doing these major events and you can make the excuse that we're still coming out of this isolation that is the pandemic sensory overload like to a thousand oh you go we go to these events with a with a to enjoy ourselves and everything and to connect and support mm-hmm. these breweries. But however, we're also there to like network. So it's like, yeah. a, it's kind of like the music is blaring. There's a lot of people. We're trying to gain our, our footing. And uh, we went, went and did our thing. I had to leave a little early cause I had to deal with a, a dog situation at home, but that is okay. <laughs> Take care of your dog. <laughs> I had to, yeah, a dog situation. Well, I had to all right. Kill my we'll, dog. we'll say this. I'm going to close this window. Right now. I'm gonna- close that window i have some fucking crazy ass neighbor do we go over this <laughs> i don't think we ever did no right. real, like so all- real quick i'm gonna i'm gonna do this real quick and then we're just gonna close out the episode and move on so i'm at I, i'm a couple weeks ago i get a banging on my door <laughs> and i open the door and it's this lady and I, i've seen her around but she lives in my building um and i've never met her though and my dogs are like rawr, 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 rawr. I'm like, okay, I, I, I silence them and I close the door behind me and we're having the hall, talk in the hallway. And she starts yelling at me. I, and once I got a grip of what she was trying to tell me, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not how adults talk to each other. What are you, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. And she's telling me that, which is in fact true, my dogs have been barking a lot more than most dogs would. Uh, one dog, Sophie, would start barking like a normal dog, and it would freak my old dog out, and he would get really anxious and do this repetitive bark, and it becomes too much. She works at home. I was like, okay, I hear you. Here's some ideas that I'm going to put into place. Let's see what happens. She says, okay, okay, okay. Then I thought it ended on good t- I said, also come to me if you have any problems. I said, okay. Ended on good terms. We tried some things. We won't get into that. But we tried some things to try to help uh, lessen the dog barking. And uh, they had one bad day. It was mostly because of fireworks that was that day. But she mm-hmm. came the next morning, seven o'clock in the morning. It was just like at my door, tapping her foot, you know, like, give me that look. I was like, oh, I know it was the fireworks. I'm sorry about that. We'll, we'll, we're going to keep working on it. And, and which we were, we we're working real hard on it. This was like, then a couple weeks later, I thought things were going pretty well, off and on moments here or there. But I think overall, we weren't on major disturbance. And then I'm record at- scratch. <laughs> I 
work at an elementary school. I happened to have a moment and I got a text from my landlord that said something about, we're getting a screen replaced in a window. And that's all I saw on my watch. And apparently there was more and I saw it later. I also then immediately got a phone call from my dog walker who doesn't speak very good English because he's from Brazil in a panic, trying to relay to me the best he can that um, this woman is yelling at him and she's going to call the cops. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And I got it. I kind of understood what was going on. I had you put her on the phone. I was like, what are you doing? This is not going to solve anything. You tell me what's going on. It's like, I'm sick and tired of these dogs. And they bark from the moment you leave, from the moment you come home. And I was like, I know that's not true. I have a dog monitor. I could hear them. So I know they have moments in which I know can be obnoxious and we're going to work on it. But come on, let's not exaggerate here. And I said, I'm sick of it. I'm calling the cops. And I'm like, oh, shit. So my girlfriend and I had to come all the way back home, and the cops never showed up. Ty, they never showed up. So they either didn't show up to a call or or they she lied. The drama here, Ty, the, tra- the drama continues. Ooh. Sounds like Jeff's uh, blaming the cops for not doing their job. No, I think she lied. I think the cops would have done their job, especially since my landlord is a, is a state police officer, and he knows most of the guys around here. Jeez. He's like, they would have showed up. They also would have been really pissed to have been there because it would have been a stupid reason to be there. I said, yeah, that's true. So um, I checked that text message that my landlord had sent me, and like I said, there was more to it. He said that they had got he had gone because he, his name's on the building. Uh, on the on the apartment that they have gotten seven complaints about the dogs barking um which we suspect is mostly if not all from her um and that there's going to be a hearing about the whole situation i'm like this is all happening in one day i haven't besides those two other interactions i haven't heard about any of this I thought the same day as like the BTE slam and you're not like feeling good or it was like the day before. It was very close. And I was already like not feeling well. I felt something coming (laughs) on and I was like, ah, oh, it's a wreck. And I'm like, why am I hearing all about this now? I thought everything was okay because no one was coming to me about it. Nobody, all my neighbors, I talked to neighbors, but I was like, yeah, I hear them sometimes. It's fine. Because the other dogs in the building. Then they get home. They're like, dude, that fucking, those fucking. Are they lying to me? Uh, No, they weren't lying. We we made some good friends in here and I trust, I trust most of my neighbors. So my girlfriend's giving comments because she's she's she was annoyed by this, too. Um, I told I totally get it. So we made some arrangements and I won't get into that, but we made some arrangements for my dog who is going through some dementia issues. And that's why he's barking like he is. And he now is going to daycare and during the day while I'm at work. And we got a bark collar for my other dog and we sorted it out. And, but this lady is as nuts as that whole situation was where she had all these complaints and called the cops without even talking to us, which I thought was absolutely absurd. Mm -hmm. He did do something that I don't think anybody else would do. Flaming bag of poop on her doorstep. No, she did something that no one else would do. Not me. She put a bag of dog poop on your doorstep. Yeah, no, and and <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, and she also uh called the condo complex, the part, the place, you know, and said things have been really good. Oh, so we don't have to go to that hearing now because yeah. we got we figured it out. Um, so that was kind of like the drama. So I so when we went to this the beer fest. I had to make sure I got home because the dogs were home alone and I need to, to mitigate 
some barking, but luckily we had some help from family. Yeah, it was so a lot, guys. It, it, like it, I, this, it, this is apartment living, but it was just like all in one day. Suddenly, like the cops are supposed to be coming to my apartment. I have seven complaints. There's a hearing. I if this goes down the wrong road, I can get evicted, and I don't feel well. Dude, just write your dogs a ticket and have your have the cops write the dog a ticket and then have them pay it. Okay, I don't see what the problem is. Problem solved. Boom. Case closed. Case Stamp. closed. So anyways, Law and order outro music. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's my movie review for this episode and my and my personal drama. Yeah. And I mean, so I'm glad you all stuck around for that one. It, it kind of happened at the right time because, I mean, like, I don't know, for anyone that, like, follows us on Instagram, we post pretty consistently. Like, I'll post stories. We do reels now with 1050 steps. We've done videos before, but... Like past couple weeks, uh, opening my really, window back up. It's yeah, reopen, open the window back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And say, yo, fuck that. Na- oh, wait, no. Just <laughs> <laughs> yo, fuck that neighbor. Um, <laughs> window comes up. Fuck. Uh, so your podcast. What she listens. <laughs> so I mean, like, so that was going on with Jeff, and like personally with me, just stuff with my job. I don't work in elementary school. I work for like a big corporation. Don't like saying who. But, um, yeah, I, I got like really burnt out with work. And then I, something that you say all the time and something that like I even was doing right before we were recording is like, sometimes I'll treat this hobby, this thing that we do for fun as work. And I, the two things will stress me out. No. So sometimes we take breaks. And if you're wondering if anyone happens to wonder where our content is for a second, like, Oh, where are they put something out in a while. They're usually pretty consistent. That's because we're, we're probably dealing with some shit and we will always come back to you. We We love you. Whatever happens to this thing. Okay. We're probably not going to be like Joe Rogan, make millions of dollars a year on this podcast. I can bet. I can, I can bet a lot of Dogecoin that that's not going to happen. But Ty, Bart, that's can... not even my goal. No, not my. You either. know what my goal is for this podcast? I something think I something. No, you don't, because something it's something bigger than Joe Rogan. To get back at your neighbor? No. Oh, what when, is it? If and when the world ends, yeah, I want our podcast to be streaming on some random robot floating through the wasteland. You know, I think about that. Not that, not that specifically. It's a good goal to acknowledge your point. I think about like uh, they say everything on the internet is like permanent, and you know that takes one EMP bomb and it's all dude. Gone. Spoiler: if, if you're saying call, dude, there's nothing permanent about it. No, but um, you know the the internet lives on for a long time. I'll rephrase it. So I always think like. If our kids, if we ever have kids and like they listen to us and stuff, like it, it's a it's a time capsule of like this time. Yeah. So, but you know what, Ty? We're back. We're back. That um, was it. We're All here. Right. We're excited. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Yes. Where we're going to have a guest on the show. Uh, I don't think it's not completely locked in yet, but we have a tentative date. But we'll have an episode out there for you to enjoy. So, Ty, why don't you send us off? Raise hell, praise Dale, and we will see you in the next episode, my friend. Bye.